Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen, just me. But you know what that means? You probably guessed by the title. This is another Anatomy of a Sermon episode. And uh, today, um, the sermon is we're going to be having uh, this Sunday. Today, as it comes out, we'll be uh, doing All Saints Day, all, our All Saints Celebration Remembrance. And so that is what we will be doing and talking about today as I prepare for and preach this text. So one thing before I, I, I uh, get started here, um, I want to kind of put something out there. Um, if you're listening and you're in Iowa— there is a special event at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Iowa Falls, and that is uh, they are having um, Dr. Kuntz from the Fort Wayne Seminary, Dr. Adam Kuntz, uh, will be out there in uh, Iowa Falls on Saturday, November 12th, and on Sunday, November 13th. Registration for this event, entitled Called to Defend Christians in Hard Times, which is actually something we'll be talking about in preparation for this sermon. Uh, registration begins uh, at 2 p.m. on Saturday, and Dr. Coons will focus on defending the fortress of the family at 2.30 and defending the fortress of the state at 4, followed by a pork loin dinner at 5.30. And after the meal, there will be some time of question and answer. And then on Sunday, uh, Dr. Coons will lead adult Bible study and preach and then gather at 2 p.m. for the third session Two on Sunday, defending the fortress of the church, and uh, f- followed by a question and answer time at three thirty. So please, if you have the opportunity, this should be an awesome event where you can hear uh, uh, some good discussion on on our calling, our vocation, and how to be a Christian in hard times. And so uh, I invite you to come join this event and partake in that. All right, on to the anatomy of a sermon. Now, the idea behind this uh, format of an episode is to uh, let you in on the whole process of what this pastor goes through when he thinks about preaching and uh, his thoughts, how he approaches a text. Uh, The idea isn't necessarily to be super exegetical uh, for this because this is um, really meant for for lay people and pastors, and I trust pastors do their exegetical work already. And what behind the collar, what does a pastor, at least this pastor, think about? And how does he approach a text? How does he think about the occasion? And all those things. And so this anatomy of the sermon for uh, our celebration, our festival of All Saints Day, I realize um, that uh it isn't actually All Saints Day, but we what we do is the Sunday, the last Sunday in October, we have Reformation, and then the Sunday following, the first Sunday in November, we celebrate All Saints Day. And so, with that in mind, I want to make a few notes about uh, the propers, particularly the introit, uh, the first reading, and the second reading before I get into the gospel reading. Uh, the gospel reading being the Beatitudes, and we'll get there, talk about that when we get there. But some, uh, let's start with some notes on the propers, the introit specifically. Now, the introit is from uh, Psalm 31, verses 1, 3, and 5, and the antiphon is from Revelation 7, 14. And uh, it's, 
it's really awesome how this is done because um, it's it places Jesus in the middle of our tribulation, the tribulation of the people of God. So the antiphon is, there are, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now these were words that we'll hear also in the first reading uh, from Revelation 7. But as it does it, I want you to listen to what it does. So it talks about the tribulation, them, uh, the, those who come out of the tribulation washing their blood in the robes, their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And then it, it speaks from Psalm 31 then, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. You are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. What I want you to notice about the introit in these words is, as it talks about the tribulation, uh, the suffering, all the things that we go through, the people of God have gone through on this earth, those coming out of the great tribulation, washing their robes in the blood of the Lamb, this places Jesus right in the middle of it. It includes the words, Into your hand I commit my spirit. These are words that our Lord Jesus spoke, and he cried out in his death. So there in the midst of the tribulation, and those coming out of the tribulation, what this intro does is very special. It places our Lord and his tribulation in the middle of it. As if to say, our tribulation is his tribulation. Promising the faithfulness of God, that he is the one who redeems. Jesus being the true blessed one, is there in the midst of those who are blessed. And that's to me, that's going to, I think that's probably what direction, I haven't written the sermon yet, but that's probably the direction I will be going in this, and we'll, we'll see. I haven't actually written the sermon. I'm taking you along in the process. All right? So in this intro, you have those who come out of the Great Tribulation, and you have Jesus in the midst of him with his own tribulation. So just as we suffer in this world and are given uh, the, the peace of everlasting life, right in the middle of it is our Lord Jesus, who suffered the greatest tribulation, crying out and saying, uh, into your hands I commit my spirit. All right. And so the epistle reading, which also has words from that, is also just as amazing. And one thing I wanted to mention about our epistle reading is, is how what, when everything seems lost, or when things are in great trouble, when things when the powerful are against the people of God and the powerful of this world seems like they're in their victory formation, God has a way of showing what's really going on when you can't see it. So, for example, uh, John, or excuse me, Jacob, when he was on the run, stealing his brother's birthright, sleeping with his head on a rock, and not knowing what's going to happen next, what does he see in the midst of that great tribulation? He sees a ladder to heaven with angels and de- angels ascending and descending on that ladder. God connecting heaven and earth, a vision of Christ Jesus himself. And God's voice promising, in your families, in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. What is he doing? 
in the midst of that where it only seems as though he is by himself, he doesn't understand what's going on, that he is running from his family in great fear, and yet God points him to the great victory, pointing to the Christ that through him all families of the earth shall be blessed, and saying, Behold, I am with you wherever you go. So to his human eyes, it looked hopeless. But God caused him to turn to see it from heaven's perspective. Angels ascending and descending on this ladder. God connecting heaven and earth and God fulfilling his promises, even though he himself can't see it. There's also another great example in, uh, you can see, like, the book of Daniel, that's all it is. (laughs) Whether it's God giving visions uh, in, in the midst of their exile, or God actually giving powerful miracles of salvation, whether it's Daniel in the lion's dead, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. When all is lost, what happens? When it looks like the enemy is winning, what happens? God shows that he brings fulfillment of his promises. And Ezekiel too, um, probably one of the more powerful ones is is the Valley of the Dry Bones, where God takes Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, shows him the Valley of the Dry Bones, and asks, can these bones live? Now, to the human eye, we've never seen dead, dry bones live, but through the preaching of the word, God caused him to see what was really going to happen as he fulfills his promises. Bones coming to bone, flesh appearing, sinews upon them, skin, and then prophesying, preaching the word of God, and the breath of life entering them, and God promising Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. We are lost. We are clean cut off. I'm going from memory here. And But say to them, hear the word of the Lord, and this is what I will do. So teaching Ezekiel and writing those that words down for us, when it looks like you're losing, when it looks like the powers of this world have overcome you, God gives here a glimpse of what's really going on. One more example before I get into our discussion, Revelation, and that is transfiguration, okay? Jesus had just explained to his disciples that he was going to suffer and die, and that's where Peter rebukes Jesus and, and, you know, and Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. But it seems to their own eyes that if Jesus dies, everything is lost. So what does Jesus show them? Well, Jesus shows him a glimpse of his glory with Moses and Elijah, the great uh, prophets of the Old Testament, appearing in the glory of God so bright that it was they've never seen anything like it. The, a glimpse of the glory of God showing that, okay, now Peter, James, and John, it might look like to your human eyes what is going on. Let me give you a glimpse of the victory here. And Revelation, is the whole book is a strong understanding of this. You have seven struggling churches, John himself being exiled, great powerful forces against these struggling churches, and God gives them a vision. God gives John a vision of great power. And just like we saw in the introit, we see Jesus in the midst of all of this. Jesus in the midst of it, in the middle of it with his blood, the blessed one, the vision of everlasting life in the midst of the blessed. The blessed lamb on his throne, the blessed with white robes washed in his blood, 
What did these people look like on earth, these who have come out of the great tribulation? Well, in the kingdom of heaven, they are kingly. In the kingdom of heaven, they appear like Christ, wearing his, the robes of his righteousness. On earth, they looked weak. On earth, they looked not very powerful. And, and they looked like pawns in this little game. The powers of evil looked very powerful against all of them. Yet in the midst of the blessed, you will find the blessed one. And here he is showing the struggling, John and us, to remember what really is going on uh, in the midst of these struggles. And, uh, you know, we think of that in terms of All Saints Day. What did these saints look like here on earth? What do these saints now look like according to the kingdom of heaven? And the epistle reading, as you would expect, says exactly the same thing too. What happens in the epistle lesson? The same thing. John, 1 John 3, 1 to 3. And in this, it talks about in the love of God, we are his children. And he says, the world does not know us. It also did not know him. Now, I'm going to stop there and I want you to think about this. It does not, did not know him because what did he look like? He looked like a man. He didn't look like, like he was super powerful. He didn't blow everybody away. And uh, so much so that they felt pretty comfortable not only killing him, but spitting him and mocking him and all those things. But now look at him. And he says, just like that same way, the world does not know us. They see with earthly eyes only. But John says in this passage, we are his children. As if to say, look on the other side of the coin now. All right? Uh, according to your earthly eyes and the earthly lives of everyone else, you don't look like much. But according to looking on the other, you're children of God. And then he goes on to say, when Jesus appears, referring to his coming in great glory to this world, he says, we will be like him. So what happens here? You have the blessed one, our Lord Jesus Christ, there in the middle of the blessed. Today, in this world, you don't see it yet. You don't understand it yet. You don't know it yet. But we have this whole history of scriptural truth that shows you what is really going on when you can't see it. You have the blessed one, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the midst of the blessed. And when the blessed one comes, those blessed, those blessed will see him as he is. The, the, the great glory of everlasting life, of the blessed being with the blessed one. And so that, that, those are all things and themes that when we come to uh, the readings before the gospel reading, really helps us begin to understand what is going on in the gospel reading. And I'll go ahead and read that. Uh, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, let's talk about this this text a little bit. I suppose, let me clear up some things about this text that, that are important to remember. Um, and that is, as you, you hear the text, it starts with the blessed. What I mean by that is, as it describes the blessed, it's not how often it's taken where, you know, if you are poor in spirit, then you will receive the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's not that. The way to understand this is just like I kind of a little bit referred to it earlier um, in how I talked about a coin. It's like two sides of the coin, okay? The blessed, the child of God, on the one hand, looks poor in spirit, but on the other side of the coin in heaven's eyes, they are, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so when we look at these things, these are really more of a description of, of what the gospel does to people. It is a description of the saints. It's not a description of our perfection, because we don't fulfill all of these perfectly, but it is what faith looks like in the people of God here on earth. So it looks, on the one hand, poor in spirit, but on the other hand, it looks like the kingdom of heaven. So when we, we look at these things, um, we look at it in the perspective of the children of God, what they look like on earth and what the same look like to the Father in heaven. So when we look at the word blessed, we're talking about being blessed by God. It starts with that. And so it is a is Jesus describing what the people of God look like on this earth. They are blessed by God. So it isn't a cause an effect. It's what the gospel does. And it's perfect for All Saints Day because we have their example. We have those uh, those blessed in our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't say that they're perfect because we already heard in Revelation, right, that they are they're washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And that's very important to remember because these blessed were sinners forgiven. They're not wearing their own robes of righteousness they're wearing Christ's robe. They're washed in the blood. And so when we look at the blessed, it's about their forgiveness. One thing also interesting to note is there is a shift in these Beatitudes where it talks about the poor in spirit, right? And he talks about the those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then uh, at the end, he says, blessed are you when others revile you. Uh and, and I think that's an important thing because I, as a preacher, I, I kind of recognize what Jesus is doing here because this is how preachers preach all the time. We take a, a truth that is born out of the text, the examples that we see from Scripture, and we don't just leave it there. We also then get to the point, well, how this is what it means for you. So I, I recognize what Jesus is doing here because he's talking about this is what the blessed look like here on earth, and this is how they look like according to the, the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, okay, this is a truth, this is reality we see, 
uh, we have seen in the past, we see now in the people of God. Now let's bring this to you. Uh, as I say, the one in my sermons, the one keeping your seat warm, or in Jesus' case, the one keeping uh, the nice soft patches of grass or the rocks you're sitting on at that mountain warm. This is what the blessed looks like on earth now. But now for you, when others revile you, persecute you, and other, utter all kinds of evil against you false on my, on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So here in this text, he, he, he talks about it, the blessed, the blessed, and then he says, now, so, you. I mentioned earlier in, in the other readings then how when we look at, at um, the, the, those in the tribulation, we find Jesus in the middle of them, and I think that's hard to ignore for this text too. Because as it describes the blessed, what they look like here on earth, we also remember, I think Jesus is speaking of himself because he is the full embodiment. He is the blessed one. And when we see him during his earthly ministry, we see someone who epitomizes what this the Beatitudes are. He epitomizes what the blessed looks like on earth. Um, and he is the perfect fulfillment of these things. He is the epitome of it all. So, what did the blessed, the blessed eternal son look like on earth? You know, the one that, that his father opened heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The one the father pointed at at his baptism. What did this blessed one look like on earth? He became poor in spirit, poor in spirit bearing our sins. He was meek. He hungered and thirst for righteousness. If you think about that, that to me, that is a beautiful way of, of describing um, his temptation in the wilderness, isn't it? Look quite literally, hungry and thirsty, yet his hunger and thirst was for righteousness, defeating the devil's temptation in our place. He is a perfect embodiment, you know, as it says, blessed are the merciful. He is a perfect embodiment of mercy. He is a perfect embodiment of being pure in heart. He is the perfect embodiment of being a peacemaker, reconciling the world to himself. And then he is also the perfect embodiment of being reviled. I mean, to this day, we can say our Lord Jesus is reviled. We can say to this day, you know, he, uh, you know, his name is persecuted and his people are. And he says, it just as his prophets were before you. But he is the embodiment of all of this, the epitome. And so as he talks about the blessed, and then he has as a preacher, he places you in the hot seat and all of this. But he also then is right there in the middle of it all. He is the blessed one in the midst of the blessed. He is the lamb in the midst of his people. He is... Uh, the, the, the one who gives his blood for those who wash them, whose, whose robes are washed in that blood. And what is, so he says, um, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Here this speaks of Christ too. And it, it ties the blessed on earth with him. Because when you really think about it, what is Jesus' reward in heaven? Interesting question to think about. Does he have a reward? Yes. 
He's the one keeping your chair warm as you speak, right? I mean, what does a shepherd want more than to have his sheep? And, uh, and, and then what is our reward? Well, you, if you look at all these texts, it's really, as uh, John says in our epistle reading, um, you get to see him as he is. Your blessedness, your fulfillment is to be with Christ, just as Christ's reward is to bring you home. And, and why, why is that? Because he loves you, right? That's why he did it. Um, and so our reward isn't just heaven. It's the, the one who is at the center of it, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, one thing I, I think about when I, when I preach, and, uh, and, and, and I uh, think about it often, and this is why, there's a reason why we preach a new sermon, because um, the truth of God's word doesn't change, Right? That doesn't change. It always stays the same. But what needs to be heard from the text, what we need to hear from the text, might change, meaning uh, the occasion, uh, what people are wrestling with, what their struggles are, that constantly changes. I mean, the reason why we have pastors preach sermons and write sermons for their particular location at that particular time is because... Uh, the people are different, the occasion's different, what they're struggling with is different. There's a reason why we don't just have, you know, this is the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod sermon that we all preach from all the pulpits, because that would be bad. It doesn't apply to, you know, everyone, every congregation is different. Every congregation here needs to hear something different. And, and, and so not only as far as location, but I think time also has a lot to do with this. When I look at a text for this, this is for Sunday, November 6th, 2022, it's good to ask the question, what do the people of this congregation need to hear on this day? And, you know, what does Pastor Bullhagen need to hear November 6th, 2020 from this text as well? Because there is a reason why we write a new sermon, because... Times change, and all the word of God doesn't change, the truth doesn't change. There is a change of what we need to hear from that. And, uh, you know, you know, if, if someone were to, you know, just preach a text, you know, use a sermon that they preached five years ago, uh, it'll be very true. And uh, it would be preach the word of God just like every sermon should, Right? But it won't hit the same way, I don't think. When I look at an old sermon, I think, well, that must have been good for that day. And I think, and I think, you know, I don't see error in it or false doctrine. I see the, the word of God preached for sure. But, uh, you know, preaching a sermon from five years ago, um, the truth doesn't change. But what the people need to hear does change. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that's important. This is why we actually do write sermons each time, because all of these variables affect how we preach the word and apply it. And so when I look at that, what is, when we look at this text, look at the occasion, all saints, 
celebrating on November 6, 2022. What are some things that need to be heard from this text on that day for All Saints Day? And, and I have a list of, of these that will uh, greatly affect my sermon. First off, I think encouragement. Um, I guess we always could use encouragement, but you know all those points that I, I brought up of not seeing the victory, I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more people feeling kind of frustrated about how things are going. That the kind of arguments that are being had in our society is, you know, if you were to fast forward 20 years ago and today, you would be thinking, what on earth is going on? And, uh, but I really think, too, for this occasion in this text, you know, being in a, in a small town congregation, in a congregation that's always been very close-knit, a family, uh, All Saints Day also is a day where where they need encouragement too, because the people have been called to glory uh, this past year are very dear to everyone. I mean, their lives touched everyone. They are people who have served the church been and uh, um, were great examples of faith, which is something I, I would like to bring up too, is, is how these blessed look like, because they saw them, they knew them. And now they get to see the other side of the coin of, of them gathered at the feet of Jesus. And so, you know, like particularly this time, I think of, of Lois, uh, who was a, a great teacher of the faith for many, many years. She moved to the area as a Lutheran school teacher and, and, uh, and was a Sunday school teacher for many years and prayed for the children, the young people, and was so involved. And not only that, and but also such a huge encouragement um, to, uh, to, to everyone. And, and she cared in so deeply for the church and was such a beautiful example of faith that she, she can teach us something about this text. Or I think of, of Wendell, who was the same way, um, uh, of, uh, of uh, a great man uh, of faith in the church who was ready with a witness and a steady voice uh, of God's word wherever he went. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Uh, he would go to our Hardee's all the time, and uh, whenever he saw, every once in a while, a vicar would be go stop by in Hardee's because he was there almost every day. <laughs> Wendell would be there, and uh, and, and magically, uh, the vicar's meal was always paid for. <laughs> um, and then we have people like uh, Ruth, also in this past year, who um, you want to talk about a dedicated servant. She, she was in so many ways, um, and uh, always cooking, always helping, always very, uh, herself was a, a figure at our, fu- at our funerals, making sure the, the meal was going well, baking so many pies, all sorts of things. Um, but all you could tell, it was she visited the nursing homes a lot because uh, she recognized uh, the, the lonely and, and how they must have felt. Um, and and she's another one who was dear. And we have people like Chuck, who uh, was always a voice of, of God's word and, and very important to our congregation in all sorts of ways. And those are just four of the, the names that we will be remembering in All Saints Day, four of the eight. And uh, in, a, in, a, in a small congregation in a small town, uh, that leaves a heavy effect on the congregation. 
Everyone knows these names. Everyone knows these faces. Everyone has been touched by them. And so there is an important need. And I will say, what are the needs of the congregation? One is not necessarily at this time to be a heavy law sermon. Um, I mean, there's law in the poor in spirit, right? Um, that you're poor uh, in spirit, not poor for lack of of what you have. Luke talks about just poor, but in Matthew, it's poor in spirit. And, uh, and certainly in repentance, we realize that that uh, we come as beggars before our Lord God in that need for, for grace and mercy. But uh, in the sermon, I'm really going to focus probably on the encouragement. And when you really think about it, the encouragement aspect really has an assumption of the struggles of the Christian. You don't necessarily have to really delineate that out because if you just point out that we've lost some important people in our lives and you just point out um, the loss, you know, going to the two sides, our loss on this side of the coin, but heaven's great gain as they, they wait for, for, for the, for us to join them. Um, and so encouragement, that's going to be a big one. Using, seeing them as an example of faith also is an important part in this time. Um, encouragement, as I said earlier, to those who, who feel like this world has defeated them, you know, there, it's important to point out that um, that uh, to look on both sides. This is what the life of faith looks like according to earthly eyes. This is what it looks like according to to what God promises. Um, and so, encouragement when it comes to remembering the victories that have already been won through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing when I think of what is it today, what is it on November 6, 2022 that people that might need to be addressed? And one thing I, I might wrestle with is, you know, I think the election stuff is on all people's minds and they're thinking about it. I, I, but I, as I think about it, that certainly is a valid thing. It's something that can be addressed, but I, I kind of hesitate to do that. And it's for this reason is, uh, you know, if I bring up uh, the anxiety that you have uh, of elections, um, I think this effect might happen, where uh, people will will worry, who worry about their election, the election stuff, will say, "Okay, um, I hope is in election results rather than gospel. The candidate winning is more important, and that's the hope. You know, if our candidates win, that is our hope. Or losing means that all law is lost. Then, okay." And uh, so I hesitate to, to talk about the election because um, election is actually less consequential. It's a small part. It's just a little tiny, tiny piece of the picture. Um, when you have everlasting life. And and I don't want to bring it up in a way that makes this, all our hopes are on this or that. But rather, if it doesn't go your way, I mean, you, you have the victory, and it, it's not about who wins elections, about who Christ is, how he's the blessed one, and what the blessed look like here. So so as I as I kind of wrestle with this, um, I know that that issue in this time and place is on people's minds, but whether I would actually bring that up, I don't think so um, because of this. I think it uh, kind of brings down the power of the text a little bit. Um, now, I, I can bring it up with all sorts of the issues of the election, how how 
you know, the wickedness and evil and the hatred for God's word and hatred for Christ, the hatred for the church, all that is certainly quite evident. But to, to place it in terms of elections, that's missing the boat. I mean, we're all, regardless of who wins the election, elections don't change hearts and minds. Regardless of who wins elections, that's not what really affects true change. And, uh, and so that's why I might avoid talking about that aspect, even though at this time and place, and as I think of what people might need to hear from the text, and as I think about what's on, what, what our people think about that might be one of them, but in this case, I don't think I'll bring it up, and that's probably why. What else does I think about it? Um, I think I might riff on the you aspect, that homiletical thing that Jesus does. You know, blessed are these and blessed are you. Um, and I, I might riff on that because in, in this way, um, we don't like to step into the waters being hated. And uh, we don't, we, we are very nervous um, and we, we, you know, when we're with each other, we talk the talk, don't we? We, you know, we're all gathered together. Oh yeah, we're going to stand up for this and we're going to speak our minds. And then you, you, you get out there and what happens? You know, Jesus says, when you, blessed are you, when you, others revile you on my account, you know, that, that assumes that the blessed look like that. On the one side of the coin, it looks like being reviled and we get nervous stepping into those waters. And uh, and so I think that might be something that might be good to bring up in this context um, is, uh, you know, I talked about uh, that presentation, Isle Falls. That's a good example of him teaching how do you step into these waters and how important it is that you do step in these waters, that you're willing to be hated for speaking up for God's truth. Um, and so that, that, that might be an important one to bring up as I think about what is it on November 6th, 2022 that needs to be spoken of? Um, yeah, I guess the, the, the last thing is, um, is, and I think I'm going to go this direction, and that is that Jesus is in the middle of the tribulation. Um, and Because and I, I see that throughout all the texts. And I think that's a powerful way to bring up all these things. That uh, Christ Jesus here doesn't leave us alone. Not only did he face the tribulation, he is in the middle of it. And uh, he is the one who gave up his spirit in his death. And he is the one who rose from the dead. And it teaches us to see in the midst of it, we carry on the other side of the coin what we see, the power of the resurrection. And we see the examples of faith and how in their lives now called to glory, how it didn't, how his victory was seen in them. And so in the Beatitudes, you have, well, this is what the blessed look like, and then you have Jesus, the epitome of all that, in the midst of them, being the perfect example, the perfect blessedness, the fulfillment of all blessedness on our behalf, that we may wash our robes in his blood. So, that being said, um, I am going to now write my sermon, and I'm going to preach that sermon, 
and it's going to be a two-part episode. Uh, times passed for the preaching workshop. What I did was I wrote a little bit, and I came back, and I wrote a little bit, and I came back, and I wrote a little bit, and I came back. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a second installment of this, a part two, um, where uh, hopefully maybe on Sunday night or Monday, where I will give you the second half of this episode where you can hear what that sermon looked like, and then maybe provide comment about that sermon uh, when it's all said and done. Then I can talk about why I went a certain way, how it affected it, um, and what went through my mind as I was kind of putting this all together in a sermon. And so I will end this here, but then I will continue with next time in a, um, very soon, uh, just because I like to, Peter, make sure we get our, our episodes on at the right time. Every Sunday morning at 5 a.m. it's published, and so I want to do that. But I want you to hear the second half of this then, of what the sermon looked like, and then why I preach it in the way, and what went in my mind as I preached this that came true to with all these things I've spoken in preparation for the sermon. So I will do that here soon. I am ending this right here. Um, I'm Bullhagen, and may your uh, All Saints Day be blessed. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.